All right, well, good morning, everybody. So glad to see your wonderful faces here. Um, again, thank you guys for coming and making it out to Centerpoint Church, Kent Island. If you are a visitor, we want to say hi to you and greet you as well. We're so glad to see your faces here also. If this is, again, your first time here, inside your program should be something we call a connection card. And hopefully inside your connection, in your program, you'll have that connection card. It's basically where you can give us about uh, as much information about yourself as you like. If you don't have a connection card in that program, it's totally cool. Right outside the door, there's one as well. Um, you can fill out as much information about yourself as you like, um, prayer requests, any of those kind of things. Please write that down, share with us, and drop it in the basket. It goes by or right outside the table uh, when you're leaving out. Again, welcome to Centerpoint Church, Ken Island. We've been dealing with a series here the last couple of weeks, and this is the last week of that series entitled Toxic. We've been dealing with all these different kind of ideas and thoughts about um, toxicity and toxic relationships and toxic people. And so we've kind of been going through this list of things, dealing with toxic things, and so we're getting ready to close out this series here. And I just want to kind of start with this, this interesting story. Um, like in 2000, I was working at this really big, super large, huge uh, mega church, and it was really, really, really amazing. And I worked in the security ministry, and I was working on the security ministry, and my job was to make sure that everything was secure. Uh, parking lot ministry, making sure everybody was acting nice and calm and perfect in, in church. Uh, they had lines waiting to go into the next service, a really big church, so you had to walk up and down the lines and make sure everybody was doing what they're supposed to. And there was this young lady in line, and man, she was beautiful. Oh, she was beautiful. And, um, Every Sunday, I kind of got excited because I was like, I hope I get to see this lady in line while I'm walking through and doing my thing. And so I'm walking through and I'm saying, hey, how you doing? Good morning, morning. And I see a lady again. I say, wow. And then one day I saw her on the screen singing in praise and worship. And I said, that's that lady. And so each week, um, I, I, I hit or miss depending on service I served. Um, I would see her and I'd run into her and I'd be like, wow, there's that lady. And she was so beautiful. She was so amazing. And I was like, wow, I got to talk to her one day. And I found out that... Um, as I'm kind of just, you know, working up that nerve to attract, to, to move to that super attractive lady, you know, you know, sometimes you just got to, you know, sometimes you got it, and some days you're kind of like working to get it, and so I'm trying to figure out, you know, I'm going to work my way up to building up this energy to talk to this lady, and so at the same time, we have this discipleship ministry for men at the church, and there's this guy in the discipleship ministry that just keeps looking at me very, very intently. He looks at me like he wants to punch me in my face, and, you know, I'm kind of looking at him like, dude, you don't really want this. You know, you know, you kind of, you know, we're in church, but at the same time, whatever, I'll catch you after service. And so we got to have this thing going on where we don't talk and we don't speak. And one day they invite this guy to our small group to hang out. And I don't like that guy. And that guy doesn't like me. And we're looking at each other like, and we're doing, you know, Jesus stuff and shaking hands and stuff. But at the same time, we're like, two alpha dogs just ready to go. And then as he starts to talk and he gets ready to leave, his wife comes to the door and his wife is the lady that I had been looking at in line all this time. Man, I felt really bad about that. And so one day he and I get to talk, and he says, dude, you know, I think you're a really cool guy. I'm really glad we got a chance to talk and meet. Some months have gone by. He said, but I want to tell you I really never liked you. And I said, that's funny because I never really liked you either. And he said, you know why I didn't like you? I said, why didn't you like me? He said, because you used to look at me and stare at me all funny in the line, and you'd never speak. You spoke to everybody else, but you'd never speak to me. And I was like, I never saw you in line. Where were you? And he said, I'm standing right next to my wife. And I said, that's why, because I was looking at your wife, not you. I never saw you there. And he's like, you were checking out my wife, Wendy? I said, dude, yes, I was. But, you know, we're cool now. But what happened was for those six, seven months, 
His perception of me was that I was disrespectful to him, that I could say hi to everybody else in line, but not to him. And it's only because he perceived that in that moment, I didn't really like him or didn't care for him. I just felt there was something wrong about him or something negative about him. And it had nothing to do with him because I never saw him because I was too busy looking at his wife. I didn't know that was his wife, by the way. But I was too busy looking at his wife, but his perception What he perceived was that I did not care for, I did not like that guy. We have talked about being involved with toxic people. We've talked about being involved in toxic places. And today we're talking about toxic perceptions. If you can turn your Bibles or your apps to the book of Genesis, the 19th chapter, while you're flipping through Genesis, the 19th chapter, getting around verse 30, I'm going to pray for us real quick. God, would you please open up our hearts and our minds to understand you better? Would you give us wisdom and clarity? to dwell with your truth, to live in your presence, to understand who you are and what you are and how you desire to grow us to be the men and women of God you so desire. Use these next few moments for you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Genesis chapter 19, verse 30. If you could please stand with us as we read God's word. Afterwards, afterwards, Lot left Shur because he was afraid of the people there and he went to live in a cave in the mountains with his two daughters. One day, the older daughter said to her sister, there is no men left anywhere in this area, so we can't get married like everyone else, and our father will soon be too old to have children. Come, let us get him drunk with wine, and then we will have sex with him. That way we will preserve our family line through our father. All right, you guys may be seated. Now, if you're a visitor, you're like, what in the world did we just come into? (laughs) So let me backtrack a little bit. You're like, what just, what, what happened? Let me kind of backtrack what's going on. So we've been dealing with this story of Abram and Lot. And we got to Lot last week, and we talked about Lot. It was in this uh, very toxic place. He was in Sodom and Gomorrah. There was a lot of sin happening. And so God told uh, basically him and his family to get out of Sodom and Gomorrah as fast as you possibly can. He grabs his daughters, his wife. He tells his daughters, grab your fiancés. Tell them we got to get out of here. The fiancés are like, God's not destroying this city. Get out of here. And so he runs out with his daughters and with his wife, and the city becomes utterly destroyed because of their sin. Uh, his wife looks back in regret because she's missing out on what she's thinking. She's going to miss out on this great city she was living in, and she gets turned into a pillar of stone. And so Lot runs with his daughters to this city, and from this city he goes to a mountain. And in this mountain, at this point, we find and pick up on the story where Lot has now lost his house. He's lost his home. He's lost his wife. His daughters have lost their fiancés. They are now living in a cave, and they are by themselves because God said, listen, I need you to come out of this toxic place where these toxic people are, and I need you to live somewhere else, and I need you to do things a different way. And now we find and we catch up with the story that we just read, that these daughters of Lot are in a really tough situation. And I want to give you the next couple of moments, what happens when we have toxic perceptions? What happens when we think things that aren't necessarily God things? I want to share with you for the next couple moments what that is. Here are my five points I want to share with you. Point number one, perceptions can cause you to believe your feelings. Watch the verse right here in verse 31. One day the older daughter said to her sister, there are no men left anywhere in this area, so we can't get married like everyone else. Oh, her whole city has been destroyed. Their fiancés have been destroyed. And so her feeling right now is that we can't get married to anybody because the Scripture says that she says there are no more men around this area. Apparently, they didn't have one of those dating websites, christianmingle.com, nothing. But in her perception, 
her feelings at that moment is, we will never get married because this city that we lived in was destroyed and the city we left wasn't great. There's no men anywhere. And for some women, they're probably saying, girl, you are so lucky. But truth be told, she is in this perception. She believes that there's no better moment. She's not going to reach her goal of being married. She's not going to reach her goal of having children. She believes she has perceived in her mind that this is a horrible state that we're in. And the problem with you and I is sometimes we focus too much more on our feelings than God. Her feelings dictate that there are no more men around anywhere in this area, in this region. Maybe it's just not your time, girl. Hello. Maybe it's not your time to get a ring on it. I know you want to get the ring on it. Maybe it's not your time. Maybe it's not your season for marriage at this moment. Maybe it's time for you to refocus and reevaluate the next move that God has for you. But she's so concerned about marriage that she's willing to change her whole course of destiny off of what she perceives is the outcome. You and I make the mistake so many times of saying, because this is the moment, and this moment isn't going how we projected it to go, we are now going to just, ah, the world's coming to an end. And maybe it's not. Maybe God has bigger and better things. Maybe God has a plan in place. But a lot of times we take our perceptions of situations and we turn it into our feelings, and we operate off of our feelings, and a lot of times it leads to a lot of bad decisions in life. Am I the only person that's ever been there before? It's Sunday morning. It's quiet. <laughs> I have made horrible decisions based upon my feelings. I have made horrible decisions based upon how I think the situation is going to play out. I don't even know, but I think it's going to play out that way. And we make these decisions, and I find myself questioning, why didn't she ask for God? It's a great question. The same God that warned them that the city was going to be destroyed— the same God that brought angels to their door that helped lead them out of the city, that same God that protected them and took them all this way, why didn't she ask the same God that brought them protection to give her wisdom and insight? That's a simple answer. Her feelings. If we act on every feeling that we have, it's going to be a horrible day for us. Oh, boy. There's a saying I heard a few years ago. And the saying is this, it's a fact that you feel, but every feeling isn't a fact. Let me say it again. It's a fact that you feel, but every feeling isn't a fact. If you acted on every single feeling you had, you'd be broker than broke, you'd be hurter than hurt, you'd have some great days and some horrible days and a lot of bad decisions if you acted on every feeling. Some days I feel like running my car into the back of somebody else's car. And man, I, for, like, for like five seconds, I'm like, if I had a magic bubble, I'd press that bubble and just boom, ah, I got you. That's a horrible decision. Man, it feels good, doesn't it, if I could do it. Some days I want to tell people where to go and how to get there. Twice. But again, just because I feel that way doesn't mean that's the way I need to respond or act. It's a fact that you feel, but every feeling isn't a fact. And because of her feelings and her perception of feelings, it takes us to point number two. Perceptions can cause you to manipulate the situation. Watch verse 32. 
Come, let us get him drunk with wine, and then we will have sex with him. That way we will preserve our family line through our father. She says, let's, let's take our father and let's manipulate the situation. Let's get him so intoxicated he doesn't know left from right. Let's get him in bed and let's sleep with him. What kind of sick, perverse, desperate situation are you to manipulate every aspect of what is right and what is true so that you can get what you want? Oh, we do it all the time. You'll say, ew, I would never sleep. Ew, gross father. Ah, ah. You would do all of that. But then to become the president of PTA, you'll manipulate the situation. You'll bring all your cookies and do all your bake sales and shake all your hands. Because you're going to be the president. You're going to be in charge. You'll manipulate the situation. You'll sit there and you'll find a way to get that husband to do whatever or get that child to see it your way, and you'll manipulate that whole situation so that you can have the outcome that you want. Now, once asking God, what do you want? Well, I'm preaching today. That's why it's so quiet. Woo, look. So, and so we will manipulate the whole situation to get what we want. And in this example of Scripture, she's manipulating the whole situation. It's funny because she went from beginning, she says, we're never going to find any men in here so that we can have a husband. And now she skipped over a husband to having children. Did y'all catch that? In the beginning it was, there's no men around here anywhere to get married. You won't ever have a husband. We lost our fiancés a few weeks ago. We won't have any men. There's no husbands. We won't have them. And then we won't be able to have no kids. And now she's manipulated the situation. She says, you know what? I'm going to skirt the husband issue all the way around. I'm going to go straight to kids. Why? Because in that culture, in that time, the most valuable thing about a woman was her ability to give birth. Her significance and her identity was wrapped up in her being able to have children. If you weren't able to have children in that time period, it was actually a reason to give divorce because she wasn't able to give you children. The identity was within her being able to have kids. And so her value was marriage, kids, I am whole and complete. If I can't get my husband, then I can at least have kids and still be valuable. And her perception is taking her down a road where she's willing to manipulate the whole situation. For her identity, to feel whole, to feel complete. And she never ever asked God, where are you in making me complete? Oh, it's quiet. I love it, Glenn. It's quiet. It's quiet because you and I can kind of say the same thing. We manipulate situations to make us feel what? Whole and complete. We'll get with this person, that person, we'll do this thing, we'll change, we'll compromise, we'll, we'll, we'll move our values over here, we'll move our morals over here, we'll flip-flop this, that, and the other, because at the end of the day, it's all about me feeling complete, and we'll manipulate the whole entire situation to feel complete. Perception can cause you to manipulate the situation. Point number three, perception can cause you to justify Wicked actions. Verse 32. Come, let us get him drunk with wine, and then we will have sex with him. That way we will preserve our family line through our father. She has gone from 
letting her feelings guide her, to manipulating the situation, to utter wickedness, things that are totally against God's will and his purpose and his plan. And she's done it all because it's me. Me, I want to be successful. Me, I want to be powerful. Me, I want to be important. Me, I want to feel satisfied. Me, I want to feel fulfilled. Me, 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 me. And if you and I aren't careful, we will make lots of me decisions that cause us lots of pain and drama as life moves on. I guess you didn't get what you wanted. I I can imagine her situation. She's on the road to success as a young woman. Remember, marriage, children, bam, that 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 is the status for women in that time period was that you got married, that you had kids. This was the culture. This was the thing. This was made you significant and whole and perfect, and she is on the perfect track, and all of a sudden, here comes God messing up her plans. Here comes God messing up your plans. Here comes God changing the script that you had. Here comes God messing with all the stuff that you thought was going to work a certain kind of way. And now when he flips the script on you, now you don't know what to do. You're in panic mode, and you take off doing it your way to get what you want. That's never, ever worked, ever. In the history of Scripture, it's never worked. In the history of our lives, when we look back on life, it never works. It may work for a moment. It may feel good for months, but eventually, because it wasn't his plan, it all falls apart. Perception can cause you to justify your wicked actions. Here's number four. Number four is really long, so you guys just hang in there, and then we'll recap it. Uh, Perceptions can cause you and others to sin. Here we go. So that night they got him drunk with wine, and the older daughter went in and had intercourse with her father. He was unaware of her lying down or getting up again. Good. Good. Keep going. The next morning, the older daughter said to her younger sister, I had sex with our father last night. Let's get him drunk with wine again tonight, and you go in and have sex with him. That way we will preserve our family line through our father. So that night they got him drunk with wine again, and the younger daughter went in and had intercourse with him. As before, he was unaware of her lying down or getting back up again. Go ahead, next slide. I'll take this one. Let's recap what's going on. You guys with me so far? The sister says, let's go, have, let's go get the father drunk. They get him drunk. He sleep with, she sleeps with the father. And she says, you know what? I did it. It worked. It's great. Your turn. Let's get him drunk again, and you can have, get, have intercourse with him, and then, bam, we'll see what we can get. We want hopefully we'll get a kid. And they go through this whole process, and what's happening is this older sister has manipulated the situation so much that she's trying to get what she needs, and she's going to cause other people to fall in sin as well so that she can get what she wants. And now she has the sister committing acts that she would not normally do based upon the fact that she has convinced and manipulated the situation. She's caused her sister to sin. Not only has she caused her sister to sin, but she's caused who? Her father to sin. Twice. You guys are like, what? They got him so drunk that he had intercourse with the first sister and the second sister, manipulating the circumstances and the situations, causing people to sin just so she can get what she wants. 
How many times have we lied? Have we set folks up? Have we pushed them? Have we dropped a seed in their head? Have we said, listen, I can't believe they said that. How would you feel if that was you? What would you do just to get them all involved and riled up so that we can have them plan and play out our little game to, boom, meet our ultimate goal? This manipulation that she goes through, this perception that there will never be happiness for me, all takes us down this path of wickedness and sin and deceit and lies and hurt, and all of a sudden, just to get her ultimate goal. Watch this. It's the last point. You guys are like, thank God. It's the last point. Perceptions can cause you and others long-term, or excuse me, long-lasting problems. Watch this. As a result, both of Lot's daughters became pregnant by their own father. When the older daughter gave birth to a son, she named him Moab. He became the ancestor of the nation now known as Moabites. When the younger daughter gave birth to a son, she named him Ben-Abi. He became the ancestor of the nation now known as Amorites. She won. She got pregnant, she got her kid, she's happy. The end of her story. Did you guys catch that? I'll say it again. She didn't get married. Scripture doesn't tell us she got married. But she did have her kid. She got to be a mom. Clearly she raised that kid to a point where he could get married or move on and have kids because it says he becomes, the, he's that great ancestor of this, of this group, this nation. The end, her story's over. She succeeded. Here's the problem. Her son and her sister's son are the ancestors of what two nations? It's question and answer time. Come on, guys. What two nations? Moabites and the Ammonites. Ammonites. These two nations are the top two nations that fight against the Israelites for many years to come. All of God's people are going to fight against these two nations for years. Did you catch that? God's people are going to be in battles. They're going to lose family members. They're going to lose loved ones. They're going to lose sleep. They're going to lose land. They're going to get plundered. There's going to be lots and lots of death and murder because of these two nations that all tie back to Lot's daughters. And so even though she got the win for having this kid that she wanted. She manipulated the whole situation, all the circumstances, and she feels great because life is over and she got her goal. She does not recognize the last longing effects of her actions. Her kids, 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 kids birthed a nation that will cause enmity, struggle, fight, battle between the Israelites, God's people, for years to come. Because of her selfish actions and decisions. How many of us have seen marriages ruined because somebody acted off of their feelings? How many of us have dealt with marital problems because we acted off of our feelings? Oh, this is quiet. Oh, Glenn is quiet. Come on, man. Come on, baby. Work with me. <laughs> I have been in heated arguments with Rosie off of who's going to turn the light off. <laughs> you didn't turn the light off when you came up? Well, you knew the light was on. Well, why didn't you turn? Blah, 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 blah. 
You never. I always do. You never. You took the one time and made it always. I never. All this over perception of never and always. Married people get that one. You never spend time with me. I'm right next to you. Get off your phone. Mm. What does my phone have to do with me being with you? Yeah. Perception. And he is willing to help us understand that God says, listen, look at my view, look at my point, look at my perspective. In this process, you never see her question or ask God. All of her questions are my feelings, my thoughts. I got to make a move. I got to make something happen. She never questions and never talks to God. In fact, the man that talked to the angels, her father, she never comes to her father. Scripture doesn't tell us that she comes to her father and says, there's no men around here. What are we going to do? She goes straight to my feelings and straight to manipulation and straight to making her own plan. And every time we've done that, we failed. Every time we've made that decision, we've fallen short. Toxic perceptions will cost us in the end. Here's your takeaway for today. If you don't get anything else I'm saying to you today, this is too deep, too much in the morning time. Here's your takeaway. It's a fact that you feel, but not every feeling is a fact. It's a fact that you feel, but not every feeling is a fact. Say it again. It's a fact that you feel, but not every feeling is a fact. If you operate off of your feelings, you will have a failure time and time and time and time again. If you have not asked God, if you not asked people that are more spiritually wiser than you, more mature than you, if you're not willing to say, you know what, I may not like the answer, but would you please speak to me and give me insight and give me truth? If you're not willing to go down that path, you're going to act on your feelings. And feelings a lot of times aren't facts. And even if your feeling ends up being true, did you do the proper investigation to find out that this is actual fact? Hello. I feel like they're trying to blackball me. Well, do you have some information? Do you have, some, do you have stuff in place to know that you're being blackballed? Are you just going off of feelings? You're going to lose your job because you're mad, because you feel like. High five. Just give me just one. Bam, so quiet. Just need a little energy. It's a fact that you feel, but not every feeling is a fact. Are you willing to seek the God of the universe for truth? Are you willing to seek the people God has put in place for truth? Are you willing to find out what truth is before you make a decision that could impact your life and the lives to come? I know that you have a lot of feelings. I know you get a lot of stuff. I know you understand a lot of things. I know you have your senses and your spidey senses and all these things. Are you willing to grab your Bible and find fact? Are you willing to pray and find fact? Are you willing to get wise counsel and find facts before you move on what you feel? Toxic perceptions are what destroy us every single day. What we think something is, but it looks like it might be. It destroys marriages, relationships, mothers and fathers, sons and daughters. It destroys households and jobs and finances and budgets because we think it's something. 
Let's pray. God of the universe who is sovereign, who is gracious, who loves us, who watches over us and protects us, give us the wisdom and the insight to come back to you. Give us the wisdom and the insight to run back to you, to put our feelings in check, to recognize them, to put them up against your truth and your wisdom and your words. Give us the insight to seek your face. Give us time to sit on those feelings and process them before we move and before we respond. For every decision we've made that's been outside of your will, that's been against your plan, Father, give us grace and give us wisdom on how to get back on track with you. Not by what any other book says, but by your principles, by your laws, by your rules, by your truth. Bring us back to you, Father. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.